Laird Superfood transformed my health routine. And one of their products that I love is the Performance Mushroom, which helps boost immunity and fight stress. All organically sourced, it can be easily blended into your daily routine, be it in your coffee, smoothies, or any other favorite drink. I also love their daily prebiotic greens, which are packed with whole fruits, veggies, and vital vitamins A, C, D, and K. Enhanced with gut-friendly adaptogenic mushrooms and a natural refreshing taste of pineapple, lemon oil, and orange oil. They're 40% more affordable than big brands, offering both a month supply for home and single-serve sachets for when life keeps you on the move. Get yours at LairdSuperfood.com and snag 20% off your first purchase using code ONPURPOSE20. Forget about splurging on a pricey trip to the Mediterranean. Let your taste buds do the traveling instead. Dive into your favorite Mediterranean flavors and score some savings at Whole Foods Market until March 19th. Start with the perfect main course, like sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon, whole branzini, or some bone-in beef short ribs. And then pair it with the perfect wines from across the region, starting at $8.99. Of course, you must be 21. Please drink responsibly. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Let's be honest, life is stressful. It's work, it's relationships, and the state of the world. But there's a way to bring that stress level down. Calm. It's the number one app for mental wellness with tons of content to manage anxiety, promote concentration, and help you unwind. There's music, meditation, and more. Calm makes it easy to de-stress. You can literally do a one-minute breathing exercise. Personally, I love the soundscapes. Nothing like a little rain on leaves to help soothe my nervous system. I've actually been working with Calm for a couple of years now, and I'd love for you to check out my series on reducing overwhelm. Eight short practices, quick relief. Right now, listeners of On Purpose get 40% off a subscription to Calm Premium at calm.com forward slash J. That's C-A-L-M dot com forward slash J-A-Y. For 40% off, calm your mind, change your life. I lost myself. Even when I was behind the mic singing it, there was no smile on my face. It was me against everyone else in the music industry. Next guest has taken America by storm, clocking up seriously huge hit. Baby, are you down, 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 down? Jason! I would get in my car and just cry because I was so lost and so scared. Who else gets a major record deal and then walks away from it? Before we jump into this episode, I'd like to invite you to join this community to hear more interviews that will help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. All I want you to do is click on the subscribe button. I love your support. It's incredible to see all your comments, and we're just getting started. I can't wait to go on this journey with you. Thank you so much for subscribing. It means the world to me. The best-selling author and host. The number one health and wellness podcast. On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. Now, one of my favorite things about this platform is I get to sit down with friends who are change makers, incredible influencers, doing amazing things in the world, but I have this behind the scenes friendship with them and I get to hang with them. I get to invite you all into a genuine, truthful conversation, a sincere conversation that we probably have had at dinners and when we're hanging out, but then we get to record it and share it with all of you. And today's guest is someone that I was a fan of ever since I was in my teens. Like I remember when his first song that I discovered him through dropped 
And it literally felt like it changed culture for me and my friends. And we knew what we wanted to play. We knew what we wanted to listen to. We were sharing it with all our friends. And to watch his career from afar rise in the way that it did and the changes that he's made, the moves that he's made was phenomenal for little Jay aged 14 and, and, and beyond there. I'm speaking about British Indian singer-songwriter Jay Sean, who emerged in the American pop music scene a decade ago with his Billboard Hot 100 number one single, Down. The pop music titan changed the game stateside for both Asian and UK acts alike, hitting historical strides and breaking down multiple doors as a solo artist. Jay was the first Asian artist in history to have a Billboard number one in America. He was also the first Asian and first British artist to have two simultaneous top 10 Billboard singles. Jay's also the first British and first Asian artist to have a Spanish language number one in America. Welcome to the show, my good friend and amazing human, Jay Sean. Bro, wow. Welcome, Thank you, brother. man. What a, what a beautiful introduction. I mean it, dude. I love that, man. I mean it's great it. to be here, brother. Uh, it's so good to have you here, man. And obviously, like, I got, I met you. So for everyone who, who doesn't know, and, and you probably don't know this, I met Jay the first week I moved. When I say Jay also, I'm now talking about Jay yeah. Sean, not referring <laughs> to myself. The first time I met you was the first week I moved to LA. Wow. Because I met Jeremy, who you've been working with for yeah. a long time. I love yeah. you, Jeremy. Yeah. And Jeremy introduced to us. <laughs> And this was in 2018. Mm. And I loved how genuine you were, how down to earth you were. Like, it was so easy to chat to you. Like, Thank you, bro. We, we hit, hit it off right away. And yeah. I wish you lived in LA still so we could hang out I all know, the time. I know, bro. I know. We keep but, talking about that, right? But yeah. no, it is. It's, it's so lovely a, to be here with you, bro. So proud of you and what you've done. You know what I mean? Uh, I know that you have guests on and it's about them. But, you know, what you've been doing, I've been watching everything. It's amazing makes me proud and you know obviously we're both from england you know both from what what part of uh, london were you from uh, north london north london so, okay yeah. so i was west london obviously yeah. hounslow yeah uh southall of course first standard <laughs> as cliche as it gets <laughs> for any indian but you know it's not easy right um having these lofty dreams you know and then being here uh, in la which is literally the land of of dreams and broken dreams let's be honest about that there's people who have goals and but there's also broken dreams so to be able to you know do what what you're doing and what i'm doing is is it's really beautiful so yeah thank you for having me man yeah man Wait, let's 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 start there because i think i find it really interesting at one point in my life i think i had big dreams mm. when i was a teenager but i never actually believed the dreams could be real mm. because i didn't have role models people i could see doing those things did you always have big dreams and a belief that that your life could go down that way you know um bro the one thing about me ever since i was a kid i always wanted to a work my hardest try my hardest and apply myself uh, i've been a very driven person ever since i was a kid and i think really and so so is my brother i have one brother Naroop, and i think both of us have that so we share that same quality we're very very highly driven people now that comes solely from my parents it really does um my dad is a big big dreamer big dreamer bro and i only found out recently like when i started going into music and my brother went into film that these were also my dad's dreams but they were hidden my dad always you know my dad used to write poetry and nobody ever knew it but he ended up being a businessman and a very successful businessman um but seeing my dad's drive um and my mom is super hard working as well we were always inspired by by that like wow like how did dad do this? He had three factories. They used to ma manufacture denim. They were like, you know, top, top man and River Island, all these places. They used to make all the jeans. 
And it came from nothing, came from just a, a vision. So that was them, but then also they put us into uh, private school. Now, private school in England, as you know, it's, it's, it costs a lot of money. Now, I could have gone to a school in the area that I lived in, Hounslow, but it wasn't the most affluent area at the time. It wasn't the best school system at the time. So my parents wanted to be able to put us into an education system where they felt like we could excel. And so they did, but that was a sacrifice. They didn't get to go on holidays every summer and go to Barbados and that money they invested into my, me and my brother. And I think because I saw that sacrifice, we always wanted to work hard. So we, we you know, we knew what they were doing it was for us. Um, but the school that we went to was, I think, and Latimer Upper School, I have to shout them out because an incredible school, because not only did you have to be smart to get in. So you had smart kids, but they weren't like, oh, stuffy, I go to Latimer <laughs> and I don't do anything fun. No, it was creative. They were fun. We had, we had so much of a laugh and it was an all boys school. And the reason I'm telling you that is we weren't getting dressed up during the day to impress girls. I wasn't doing my hair to impress girls. So how did you make friends? How did you become the popular one? Everyone was smart. You had to have something. You had to either be the funny guy or you had to be the, the athletic dude or you had to be like the captain of the football team. So everybody excelled, but at, in, a, in, a, in a competitive way, but like in a nice friendly competitive manner. So that has always been my nature to, to do well and to, to apply myself to whatever I do. And I think I've been like that my whole life. That's why I, I always, you know, I'm always doing different stuff, picking up different projects, because if this is all we got, bro, you know, why not make the most of it? Do, do the things you enjoy and try to, try to see how far you can get with them. Yeah, definitely. What, what, what was it like having those conversations with your parents in those early days? Yeah. Because we've talked about it a million times mm -hmm. and every Indian has that pressure. And even- of course. You know, the other night I was at an event and it was the same thing where like Indian parents were talking about this idea of just like doctor, lawyer, engineer. We've heard it a million times, of course, but of course. you were on that path. Yeah. You were on that path to make your parents yeah. the proudest yeah. Yeah. Indian parents of yeah. all time yeah. by becoming a doctor. <laughs> and I think there are a lot of people who listen to this. And even if they don't have an Indian upbringing, they may have an upbringing where their parents' expectations mean something. Absolutely. And their parents' expectations are important to them because they love their parents and they see their sacrifice. A lot of people who are listening may be thinking, my parents work so hard, I look ungrateful if I follow my dreams. Mm. What was that like? Absolutely, listen, that's such a good point, Jay, because I, of course I get asked that question a lot, right? Like, and, and some people might not know, you're right, I was on my path to being a doctor. It's not just necessarily an Asian thing. We can really break this down because as a parent now myself, I understand what it's like to want the best for your kids. You want them not to struggle. You want them to have a profession. You don't want them to be like, oh yeah, you know, I have this dream. I want to be an artist, a painter and this, that. And you're like, that's great. And I love that. But I also don't want you to struggle for money. I don't. So you don't have to be an Asian parent to mm -hmm. want your kids to do well in school, job. Mm -hmm. But the Asian thing, the reason it's a stereotype, I think personally, is because we were immigrants. Mm -hmm. So therefore you can come with a dream and you could you couldn't come on a ship from India, come to England to go, hmm, I want to be a professional gymnast. They'd be like, what? Shut up, bro. You just left the bend. Yeah. You've left the village. You need to earn money. Yeah. So the, our grandparents didn't get to have a lofty dream. Mm. They just had to work hard. They had to work two jobs sometimes, three jobs to put food on the table. 
So then therefore that also gets passed down to the to their kids. Um, but with my with my particular situation, um, the medicine wasn't my parents' dream for me. It was actually mine. I was a super nerd in school, bro. I loved getting straight eight grades. I, I loved working hard and then seeing the fruits of my labor. So when I used to get those top grades, it made me feel like I'd achieved something. And it wasn't like, oh, mom and dad will be happy. I knew they'd be happy as well, but it was like, I'm happy for myself. I worked hard for this, right? So I actually got fascinated with science. I still am completely and utterly fascinated with the human mind and the human body. So before I did medicine, actually, bro, I actually, not many people know this. I think you might be the first person who knows this. I actually did a degree, in, a combined science degree in psychology and biology. Oh, I didn't know that, yeah. Right. So I did a degree in psychology and biology, Bachelor of Science. Um, I fully enjoyed it. And then I was thinking I'm going to go on to perhaps become a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I wanted to help people. I wanted to get into, that was always been my thing. Ended up quite, uh, applying for medicine and did two years of medicine but like anybody you have hobbies my hobby was music so i was probably about 12 or 13 years old when i got obsessed with hip-hop i couldn't give it up i was writing raps at the age of 13 because i was watching these rappers from, do you remember Yo MTV? I don't know if you remember this, probably Dude, I'm gonna no, show my age, I'm gonna no, show no. my age here. Yeah. Um, Yo MTV raps, okay, used to be, cause in England, growing up in England, we didn't have access to, A, of course we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have access to all of these hip hop shows. Yeah. So we had this cable show on MTV and it would come on and it was called Yo MTV Raps with Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. I had and, MTV base. Well, there you Trevor go. Trevor Nelson. When, yeah, when, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Westwood. Yeah, Westwood, all of that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I'm going completely off, off topic Do it, here. I want you to. But, but yeah, like point being, you know, the, the applying yourself and, and the working hard and all that stuff, it was anything I took an interest in, I would take it to the extreme. So science, work, academia, interested in it, want to do well, took it to the extreme. Let's go. One degree. All right. No, but I want to do this too. And in my head, there was nothing saying you can't do that. There was nothing saying, you don't need a degree, bro. Chill now, go get a job. I was like, no, but I'm also want to do this. And I think I've always been like that my whole life. So there I am studying medicine, but I also want to, for some weird reason, go on stage and rap. <laughs> and I was a rapper then. Yeah. I wasn't a singer. Yeah. Anyway, so I've always been juggling, mm -hmm. bro. I've always been juggling things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. What's, what's been something that you think you've taken to the extreme more recently? Or is that mindset still there or has that changed as time's gone on? Uh, so it's not necessarily taking things to an extreme recently, but I have really been interested in uh, being, you know, the entrepreneur side of the entertainment industry. And it's for a number of reasons. Okay. First of all, being an artist, this is going to like next year is going to be 20 years of me being an artist. That's amazing. And it's, and it's cool, but it doesn't have to be everything I do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I've been so blessed to be able to do music. Literally, if you think about my job, I write songs, then I sing songs. And I go around the world and, and I travel and I try to make people happy when I'm performing my, my music. But that doesn't mean I don't have other interests. It doesn't mean that I'm like, I, for example, I love restaurants and bars. I love them. Anytime I go to a, um, a different city, first thing I do, either before or after my show, 
Like, where can we go? Where do the locals go and eat? What's the local cuisine here? What's, where, where should I go and mm. sample this city so that I can get to say, I went to Milan and I knew what that felt like. Yeah. So then I was like, my dream was always like, I want my own restaurant. Mm -hmm. I want my own bar. So then I did that, you know, we set up an Indian restaurant called Nama and a bar called Switch. And that was fun because it allowed me to use a different side of my brain space. And all of a sudden now I'm making entrepreneurial decisions, which I never really got to do through music because it's a different field. Mm -hmm. So I like, so, you know, and we have the yoga studio that, you know, my wife Tara owns and runs. So all of these things keep life interesting for me. And I think that's the thing. I want to do as much as I can and enjoy it and, and see where I can take it. But it doesn't mean you try to do everything because you don't want to be a jack of, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none. It's just what fills me. And, and so that, you know, I think that the recently it's been the entrepreneurial uh, stuff. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. What has been like, you spoke about earlier, like breaking that stereotype of it's not only, you know, Asian families who want their kids mm. to like, you know, be taken care of and do well. In the music industry, walk me through what that was like, because I think even as a British Indian and, and an Asian, South Asian person, I don't think we necessarily know what it was like, because I think when you grow up in England, especially in London and around, the, I mean, to be honest, all across England, Indian culture is very accessible. Yeah, of course. It's normalized. It's everywhere. Yeah. And then coming to the US, I don't believe when you did that, it was like that, as far as I know. And what did you feel you were working with? What were you excited about? What did you come up against that you were trying to make sense of? Because I think there's a lot of people, even right now, I think everyone in different cultures, different traditions, different trajectories has to face some form of resistance, some form of stereotype, some form of opposition. And I've always appreciated your way of mm -hmm. navigating these yeah, things because yeah. I don't think you look at it as like, oh my God, everyone's against me. I don't think mm -hmm. you lived life that way. Mm -hmm. walk, walk us through what's, yeah. what goes through your mind. Yeah, of course, man. So I guess we should really just take it right back to the beginning, right? So to answer that question, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm a student, I'm a medical student. Um, I'm obsessed with hip hop still. I'm obsessed with music. My love for hip hop had also like then gone of, into R&B as well because they were sort of hand in hand by then. Um, the good times. Yeah, the good old. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Usher live in Vegas. Oh, did this you? Weekend. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it's, you know, it's, again, oh my God, bro, there's so much that we can talk about about these things because you say that and he took you back to a, he literally transported you back to a period of your life. Yeah. Which 16, I, 16. 16. Yeah. And what did we, what were the stresses when we were 16? Nothing. Passing our exams. Yeah. Get, doing well in our GCSEs. Everything else was childhood. It was, it was, Big dreams. It was, you're fearless. You can take on the world. You want to do anything and everything. And life is just good. You had music was great then. Just, you know, vibes were there, right? And, and that's what I was experiencing. I was, exp I was listening to, you know, all of that same kind of stuff. Usher and, and you know, um, and Jagged Edge and Black Street and all that stuff. And, and I used to think to myself, every time we went out and we'd go out clubbing with my friends and stuff, it would always be, especially in London, as you know this, quite a heavy um, Indian demographic. Well, I shouldn't say, just like a, you know, a, an Asian demographic. What we call Asian in England, they call South Asian here, yeah. Tons of us in all these clubs. We'd go to concerts. I'd go and see Fuji's in concert. Or I'd go and see, you know, Das FX. I'd go and see Lords of the Underground. All of these people, still a bunch of, of Asians there. And at that time I had started writing and, you know, I had a, a friend of mine who's a DJ and we used to make these mixtapes, me and my cousin. And 
we used to make mixtapes just for our own fun. And then our friends would be like, actually, that's pretty sick. Like, can you make me a copy? Fine, I gave him a copy. Make, and all of a sudden it was kind of spreading around school. And then that chubby, nerdy Indian kid, you know, became cool uh, all of a sudden in school. And that, that felt nice. But that was just in school. It wasn't happening on a major level anywhere. Mm. There was no Asian mainstream artist on stage that we could go and watch who would sing and or rap the music that we love. So we would go there and I'm like, I'd be at an Usher concert and I'm watching him and I'm watching tons of Asians scream for Usher and I'm, I'm there, I'm in the mosh pit, but I'm going, why isn't one of us up there? We clearly love this music. If we can listen to this music and we can buy this music, why can't we make this music? Why can't we be the one up there on stage? And I think when that click switched for me, that changed everything. Because again, talking about how I just thought nothing was impossible, I said, well, I'm gonna do that. Why can't I? How, okay, how do I do that? All right, I'll enter talent competitions. So I did. And I'm simultaneously studying, but then I'll be listening to Choice FM at the time. It was Choice FM. I love Choice FM. Yeah. yeah back in the, yeah. Right. 107.1 or something like that? Uh, something like that, something right? Like, and 96.9, I think it was. 96.9. Yeah, yeah. I think it was both. I think yeah. it was one of those ones. Those, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I'll be listening to Choice FM. And there was this talent competition and it was called Commander B's Night Flight. Okay. It's around about midnight. And all you have to do, you have to pick up the phone, spit your best verse or sing. At the time, I was just a rapper, right? I was obsessed with hip hop. So I said, all right, what have I got to lose? Picked up the phone, dropped a little rhyme. You either get flushed, you got the toilet flush sound, or you get passed on to the next round. I got through. Eventually, they chose the top 100 in the country. And then that 100 was, put down to, was cut down to the final 20. Then the final 20 had to perform live in Brixton Academy, okay? That was my first time on stage ever. And when I looked around, Jay, I'm not lying to you, I was the only, only non-black, non-white person in that room. And I didn't think about it at the time because you're not going, you're not, you're not looking at it that. You just got the mic in your hand and yeah. you've got an opportunity and you're going, this is amazing. How did I even get here? This is so fun. It was fun. But now looking back, I was like, I was the only Asian kid. And it didn't scare me. And so therefore, you know, I just did what I loved and I did it without fear. And I ended up coming third in the whole competition. And that's what gave me the confidence mm. to know that I can, I think I can take this somewhere. How did you have that courage and guts at that age? And I guess it's part of that extreme focus mentality, but like, I feel like today I have so many people in my life that I know that are scared of posting on TikTok yeah. or posting on Instagram or putting out, like for you to like drop that verse on a phone call, you know other people are going to hear it. Other people are going to find out about it. When you're mm. on stage, of course, you're laid bare in front of all the audience. Mm. I think so many people today get in their heads and they're like, mm. well, I can't post that. I look stupid. Mm. Or I can't do that. I'm not good enough. And even people who are really talented stop themselves from putting things out there because they're scared of what their friends will say. I remember when I posted my first video, it was the people closest to me that criticized it or ridiculed it. It wasn't the it wasn't the audience the audience actually responded fairly well for day one 
But it was the people around me that said, Jay, you talk too fast. Uh, Jay, that point didn't make sense. Jay, your editing's not as good as it should be. Like that was coming from people I knew, whereas the comments were like, oh, I love this. I just shared this with a friend. And so I feel so many people have that block. What was it for you that gave you that courage to say, this is fun. I love that idea. This is fun. I'm doing what I love and I actually don't care. How, how did you have that then? I didn't care. And you're right. You know the reason why I didn't care back then? Because in order to find out somebody's opinion, they had to actually be in front of you and talk to you about it in person, Yeah. right? Now we live in a day and age where we've got connection with every single human being on the planet. Mm. We're not built like that, bro. Where our brains are not built to have that many connections with that many people. We're just not built like that. That's why we get anxiety. That's why mm. we get, because we know mm. that mm. I post this, it's gonna go out to the world. And then 99.9% .9 of the people who react are people I don't know. And I have to take their criticism on board, but we weren't built to be able to deal with that. We just not designed to be able to deal with that much. Mm -hmm. So therefore, of course it overwhelms us. Of course it gives us anxiety. Of course we get depressed because user Z Z1599 said this about me, but we don't know that person. So when I was a kid, I just did what I did because I didn't have the opinions of too many people around me. And even if I did, like you said, it's, and that's another, that's another great point. Often the people who are around you may, might not have the courage to take a step out of the comfort zone like you did or I did. So therefore they're just like, oh no, bro. Or maybe it's love. Maybe they're just like, I don't want you to be sad if someone says something about you. I don't want you to be hurt if it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. Mm. That's, the only, that's the only truth of it all is when I tell you that, it was an obsession, Jay. I was obsessed with hip hop and, and R&B, but like not just the culture, the technique, okay? So if I was to really break it down, obsessed with the fast rappers of that time, that's what it was. I was obsessed with Big L. I was obsessed with Chip Foo from Fooshnickens. I was obsessed with Jay-Z with Original Flavor. And the way that they would rhyme, it was very, very fast. And that to me was just so cool at the age of 14 how are you rapping that fast mm -hmm. so i would emulate it and i would try to do what they were doing i was like damn how did they do that so it became like this nerdy obsession and then when it came to singers it was vocalists how are you singing like that how are you doing those runs how are you doing those riffs so i would study them i would study boys to men i would study all these guys and copy their riffs and copy and that's how i sort of learned how to rap and how to sing by literally just admiring these people who had such a great skill set yeah yeah and so therefore, when I learned how to do it for myself, of course I wanted to just go and have a go at it. Yeah. So why not yeah. go up there and have a go? And, and it wasn't because the end goal was gonna be a record deal. I didn't know, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. The end goal was, I love doing this. Mm. If you love football, you wanna kick a football around, you don't wanna just do it in your back garden. If you get a chance to play on a big pitch, are you not gonna go? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love that. The simplicity of that answer is beautiful because I do think that it is love that carries you through. And I think today, it's almost the opposite, it's the inverse, right? So at that time, we didn't have a lot of role models or people that look like you or people like you that had made it. And I don't just mean that by race and gender and back, I just mean in general, in life, fame and success and careers like that were reserved for a few. There were only a finite number of TV channels, finite number of music artists, finite number of actors, all very mysterious and unreachable. Mm -hmm. And you never knew how they got there. Mm -hmm. Today, we live in the opposite where it's like, 
all your friends are influencers. Everyone has a hundred. All your like, friends are famous. Yeah, yeah every, everyone's, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's doing. Famous. Everyone's doing something interesting. Yeah. You know, someone in your family or a network who's figured something out. Like people are running businesses. There's entrepreneurs here. There's this and that. Someone has a podcast. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So now it's almost the inverse, where it's like now you see it happening so much that now you think it has to work out that way. So that time you just said, I never believed. I never even thought about a record deal. Now, when you start making music, all you think about is a record deal because it does feel within reach or it does feel like someone else did it. And I fully agree with you. When I put out my first video, all I thought was, I love sharing this wisdom. I'm tired of just sharing it in small rooms of five people. I think the wisdom should reach more people. And I'm just trying to see if it works but there wasn't there wasn't a goal or a strategy or a whole approach like one day it's going to be this and we're going to have this and we're going to build a media empire like it wasn't like that it was just i love this and i actually don't know what else to do with this mm -hmm. apart from try and share it today healthier is happening at cvs health in more ways than you've ever seen it's wellness destinations for seniors including select locations with oak street health and cvs pharmacy it's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Atna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. I've always been on this mission to find things that really line up with what I care about for a healthier lifestyle. And that's when I discovered Laird Superfood. It felt like discovering a perfect match, something that totally clicked with what I believe in and my goal for better health. One of their products that I absolutely love is their performance mushroom. They've collected some of the most powerful mushrooms in nature and brought them together in this amazing superfood blend. These different types of natural mushrooms, such as chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and maitake, are praised for their talent in fighting stress, supporting your immune system, and giving your brain a boost. Another one that I love is their daily prebiotic greens. Each serving is a complete mix of fruits and vegetables, fixing a common problem, which is that 90% of Americans don't get enough vegetables and 80% don't get enough fruit in their diets. They taste like a light citrus burst from real food, such as pineapple, lemon oil, and orange oil, fruit powders such as apple, no heavy sugars, syrups, or stevia. These greens are 40% more affordable than other big brands. You can get a month's supply in a bag for your daily routine at home or grab the single-serve sachets for when you're on the go. Check out lairdsuperfood.com and grab yours today. Use the code ONPURPOSE20 when you check out and score 20% off your first purchase. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash on purpose to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash on purpose. Terms and conditions apply. I've always believed one thing, right? If I operate from a place of panic, desperation, just looking around, competition, it won't work. It doesn't work for me because it's not true. It's not organic. It's not real. There is no actual substance in that product. It's hollow. It's fake and people can see it. And if and I really believe in that. I, I it's, It sounds airy-fairy, but I believe in it. I know for a fact I have made songs just chasing hits. Just like, oh, that song worked. I went so far down that road, bro, of trying to chase big pop hits. I lost myself. I lost, I didn't even, even when I was behind the mic singing it, there was no smile on my face because I knew you were writing songs for this climate and you got this guy talking in your ear. Hmm, you need to do a song like this because so-and-so had another big, oh, we'll get the producer who did that. Oh, we'll write this right with the songwriter who did that. I'm like, but I don't even like that music. Yeah, but that's all that's working right now. So you got to do it. And there was no love in it. And guess what? My fans could tell. They can tell. They're not stupid. They know, this ain't Jay Sean, man. What's he doing? I, I see what he's doing. It's cool. I love him, so I let him do it. But this ain't Jay. This ain't the Jay that we loved. This ain't the Jay that we fell in love with. I see what he's doing. There's a pressure for him to do it. That's cool. We'll stand by him, but we'll wait for him to come back. He'll find his way back, as I always do. But when it's not from a place of love and it's not from a place of passion and it's not real, I feel like there's a metadata in that that people can feel. And that's always been the story of my life. Mm. That's really beautiful. Yeah, no. And and it's great to have that connection to your audience. But when you start, obviously, like you said, I mean, I, rem I still remember when Dance With You came out and we used to wait for it to be played on Channel U. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think of where else, but Channel U was yeah, my yeah, place yeah, back yeah. then. Yeah, I remember Channel U. And at the back in the day, this is again, aging, aging yeah. you'd have to wait for the songs you love to come on to record them yep. on VHS. Yep. So you'd record it and then you'd make your own VHS music video. So yep. then I'd have Usher, yep. you, P Diddy, Eminem, like whatever else it is. And you're collecting all these people. And then now whenever your mates come over, you put this video in and then you play that <laughs> or you're playing Channel U in the background anyway. Right. But it's like, I remember when Dance With You came out and for anyone who doesn't know it, if you, if you didn't know Jay before the US world, like go back and see, check that video out because I still think it's a Brit, like it, it lands even today. That's how good that song is. Mm, thank you. And, and, it's like, and I can still bump it in the car and it's, it's awesome. But to me, it was such a moment for the culture because it was actually good music and it was actually cool too. And I think that that's hard to do as well. I think it's really hard when you're like trying to do something fresh and new and you're trying to own a sound or create a sound, but to actually do that is really challenging. So when you're at your best, most creative self, as you were just describing now, walk us through the more texture of that recipe of like sure. when you're really landing in that passion, that love, the excitement, as you said, like walk us through like when you're at your peak creativity yeah. and it's truly authentic, yeah. what does that creative process look like? There's no thought. And that's what I always tell people. Making music is not a science. There will be people who tell you and listen, fine. Some people have had a very, very long successful career by methodically thinking, hmm, Verse must be X amount of syllables and this melody works because this chord structure worked for the last 10 years, top 10 hits. This is the chord progression and cool. I'm not built that way. That's not how I make music. 
amazing. Hats off to the people who can write hits like that. That's not how I make music. I feel. I feel and I smile and I jump up and down in the studio when that song is done. And if I'm feeling like that, my, the one thing, the rule I have is after I've written a song, if I am not so excited, regardless of what time it is, it could be four in the morning, I could have had a 20 hour day. If I'm not excited enough to go behind that mic, bro, and sing that song right there, that second, it ain't it. Mm. If I can say, ah, I'll wait till tomorrow, then that means my fans can go, ah, I'll wait till tomorrow to hear it. You mm. understand? They yeah, have yeah, yeah, options. Yeah. And the thing is, I go off of that excitement. So when Dance With You happened, I had met Rishi Rich, who really, you know, is responsible for the, just everything from the beginning of the genesis of my career, our, our work together. He heard something in me. He knew I rapped. He knew I, I, I sang. And what I had developed was a style of blending the two. So I would fast rap and sing, but sing it with a melody. So because the rapper in me was so alive, I didn't approach the beat the way that I would say, perhaps if I was just a singer. So I actually wrote it as a rap. So girl, whatever told you, be thinking of all of the possible lyrical ways to come and approach you. And so then I'd write those lyrics down, but then I'd put a melody, girl, whatever told you, be thinking of all of the possible lyrical ways to come and approach you. And it was something that I don't think many people had heard before, but it was my style. Mm -hmm. And had there been like a suit in the room, like an A&R, he would have gone, hmm, you're way too fast. I don't know what you're saying. Slow it down, too many words, this doesn't work. Who does this? Have you seen, give me an example of someone who's had success with a song like this, with a verse like that. That's exactly why you should do it. Mm. That's exactly why I did it. It's because it's new, because it was fresh and because it was, it was me, bro. Mm. It's me, you know? So when that landed on that song, I think a lot of the, the Asian kids in England growing up, if you're growing up in England, you're listening to you know, probably R&B and hip hop, which is very common for us. Mm -hmm. At the time, that mm -hmm. was the culture, very, yeah, yeah. right? That was kind of what we were into. And then your mom's watching some Indian drama or some Indian Sharak movie. Yeah, so you Bollywood, got yeah. Bollywood. So yeah. you got like beautiful Hindi melodies going on in the background. And if you're Punjabi like me, you're going to weddings and they're playing Pangra and Punjabi music and it's upbeat. Those were all of my musical influences. So when I was in that room, it was not foreign or weird or even contrived for Rishi and I to have, first of all, when Rishi put that Indian flute, to me, I wasn't like, oh, that's Indian. I was like, damn, that's sick. That's a sick sample. That sounds amazing. Over a hip hop beat, pop R&B chords, it was something brand new, mm. but it was something, it was all the music that we listened to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in one pot. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like we're trying to create a new genre. Yeah. We created a new genre by accident. Yeah. Because it was just the stuff that we were into. So then when we did that, um, had written that song, originally kind of left it there. Uh, Rishi was working with Jaggy D, um, obviously a Punjabi artist. He heard it. He was like, this is sick. Jump on it, bruv. Yeah. He did his thing. Before you knew it, we had a song that no one had ever heard. And guess what? The people, the Asian culture at that time had all of their favorite music on one song. You had Punjabi. You had hip hop and you had R&B and you had this whole thing in, one, in, in three minutes of one song. And for the first time ever, I think by three at that time, young dudes. Yeah. 
Because if you were like listening to Punjabi music, they were like uncle ages. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're listening to like, Lendi exactly. And, yeah, yeah, and you're listening yeah, yeah. to like Malkit Singh, but he's like 50. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden you've got these young girls and guys who are listening to people who look like them. Yeah, yeah. Doing their stuff. And that kind of, I think, was something that was brand new and it it just changed the game, man. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Even when you see that in new artists, like I remember, yeah, the first time I ever heard a Drake song. Right. Right, like early mixtapes like mm -hmm. you were like who's this guy who can sing and rap, and rap and do his own thing now i know that today like you know drake's gone on to just do hit after hit after hit and all the rest of it and i think sometimes he gets a hard time where people are like oh yeah he just makes good and i'm like well if you think about it when he started he was probably the only like real rapper that also did that like was able to mix the two and i've always i've always loved his music but to me as well it was that same thing where it's like he was putting together two things that felt natural to him in his own way. Like he could sing really high notes mm -hmm. and then put in like a, a rap verse. And like go no, hard on a, yeah, on yeah. a beat. Yeah, yeah exactly. He could do both. Yeah. And it and was just exciting. It was, to me, it's always been exciting when people are not kind of imprisoned and in limited a by a box. And it's what you're saying about even the entrepreneur and the musician in you and allowing yourself. Like I think... I think today we've become so much better at recognizing that people are multi-hyphenates. Like, you know that Rihanna can have a music career and be a fashion icon, exactly. right? You know that an actress can also have an amazing company. You right. know that exactly. uh, Ryan Reynolds can also sell an alcohol or whatever it may be. Right. Like, you know, there's, there's so many different ways of doing that. He can own a football team exactly. like Wrexham. And, exactly. You know, but in the beginning, it was like, no, you're an actor. Just, just be an actor. Honor that. Do that. And sometimes... Oh, actually, you do this role. You're only doing comedies, and then an actor could be like, "Dude, yeah, I know I'm good at comedy, but like, give me a drama, man. Yeah. At least give me a shot. Yeah, show yeah, me. Yeah. Let me show those skills, right? Yeah. So, so for me, it was always like, okay, I do music, but like, don't tell me I can only do these records. I can only sing these kind of songs. I can only, you know, sing. I can't bust into a rap randomly." So I was, so that always confused me because I was like, hold on a second. This is my artistic expression. So surely it should just be, why do, why aren't I just allowed mm. to do who I am? Because otherwise then it's not Jay Sean, it's Jay Sean with other people in his ear. Then it's not just Drake, it's Drake with other people in his ear. So I think the reason why people fall in love with an artist is because that person has something unique to share with the world, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? You know, like if you're in a certain mood, you're gonna be like, man, I don't know, man. I feel like I put on some Adele right now or something. Why? Because you know what Adele offers. You know what her music, how it makes you feel. Yeah, yeah. So, as opposed to just a random singer who's got a, a beautiful voice. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, no, you reminded me of uh, when Matthew McConaughey came on the podcast, he talked about how he was known as the rom-com guy. So he was doing How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. He was doing all those types of movies and he was amazing at it. It was like Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. And like, he was that guy. He was like the hot heartthrob that, you know, that, that holds those movies. And he said he had to take a two year break from making movies to shift his brand to be able to do movies like The Lincoln Lawyer, later on Dallas Bias Club, which he won the award for. And it's like, he literally didn't make movies for two years and he was getting paid like 15 million to do a rom-com. Right. And he said for two years, he didn't do anything because that was his brand. And he wanted to do more serious roles. He wanted to do roles that he cared about. And, and it took him saying no 
for two years. And that's a lot of like, you know. It is. It's, it's, it's amazing to think that people who've made pivots in their career have had to kind of have these very like interesting transition periods. Yeah. What was it like? For, what's the biggest difference between the UK and the US music scene? Because I think you have that, you know, you have that as a unique experience. There's a few of you, right? There's you. And then like more recently, obviously like people like Ed Sheeran, Adele, like there's, there's few people who've been able to be successful in both. I'll tell you a funny yeah. thing, right? So obviously at the time, pre 2009, I was lucky enough to have garnered myself a worldwide fan base, excluding, I thought, excluding America. I just thought, oh, there's no way America knows my music. And that's because America has, let's be honest, they have the creme de la creme of everything. If you think of any of the biggest stars, they're usually American, whether they're Hollywood stars, you know, whatever. Now they're all Canadian. Right, <laughs> now they're all from, specifically <laughs> yeah, Toronto, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Beaver, right. Drake, like, yeah. But at the time, so when we were in, that's why when we were in London, London is a small island. And so what happens is sometimes you can get, I, I, I refer to it as small island syndrome. You can walk around your little place and feel like the, the big shot. You're like, yeah, man, I'm in Dagenham, bruv. People know me in here, mate. Yeah, I'm Leicester, bruv. People know me here. Boy, hey, don't, I got Scotland, man. People know me in Scotland, bruv. Okay, cool. That's amazing and great. And if you can have a career then and you're happy with that, that's great. I always, again, going back to me being a person who's highly driven, I would always say, take me somewhere where no one knows me. I want to win them over. Take me somewhere. Take me anywhere where nobody knows me and let me see if I can win them over. And that has always been something that's very dear to me, even when it comes to shows, any show. Like you could do a corporate gig, right? And they have it and it's like, people be like, oh, they want you for the show. I'll be like, okay, cool. What's the demographic? This is X, Y, Z. I don't then think, okay, I'm just going to sing X, Y, Z song. I go, well, how can I connect with them? What, what am I going to be able to, on what level? And then win them over so that then they, they can go, you know what? I didn't actually know Jay Sean before or even like his music, but I like the dude. Yeah. I like the guy. I connected with him and he was fun on stage and he was funny and he was an endearing. And then he actually rocked the crowd. And now all of a sudden you won him over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it came to America, I took that same approach. I was, I remember distinctly being at Passport Control and I was going to go and sign with cash money. That's why I was going over there. And it was a big day for me and I was super excited. I was like, I can't believe this man, I'm about to get a record deal in America. But I went knowing that if I don't succeed, at least I have everything else that I've worked hard for. And if I do succeed, man, that's only a bonus now. That's gonna only be even better. But I'm excited. I'm a bit gassed yeah. up, right? So I'm there. <laughs> of past, course, man. I'm this a part, is like yeah. Lil Wayne. <laughs> right? It's like it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Big deal. Young money, cash money records. It's like, yeah. Right. So then I'm there at passport control. And uh, the guy goes, you know how they are in America sometimes. They're like, well, what is the purpose of your visit? Oh, gosh, I still get it every time. <laughs> you get nervous, isn't it? I get so nervous, man. I've had so many years. <laughs> and he's like, what is the purpose of your visit to the United States? I was like, so here's me now, I look slightly cocky. I go, I'll be honest with you, mate, about to sign a big record deal. <laughs> and he goes, yeah? He goes, what's your name? And I go, Jay Sean. And he goes, I haven't heard of you. So now I know I've got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> right on my entry to this country, the good Lord has gone, relax, mate, <laughs> calm your ego. There's work to be done. And it was through that one guy, that immigration officer who looked me dead in the eye and said, so what? I haven't heard of you. And I thought, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Let's work. 
Let's work. It's always the immigration officers that don't recognize anyone, man. I get the same thing every time. It's the best. It's but so I love that. And bro, yeah. it, you, it, it humbled me in a split second. And I'm not saying I had a big head either, but if I was to be cocky about my venture in the United States, yeah. I learned right there and then, bro, prove mm. yourself again. Mm. And that's what I had to do from scratch. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a great mindset to have because you could have had that interaction and gone, well, you should know me, right? You you could do that. Or and, you will know yeah, me. Yeah, you will know Get me. cocky, right? Yeah, and yeah, you will know me. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's so interesting because I feel like that is just never a satisfying way to live. That's what I've discovered. Like the... The idea of thinking you're at the top of the mountain or that you're doing things, it's the same thing as you said earlier, like when you're making music from love, passion and, and excitement. I feel like if you're doing something because of revenge, because of proving someone wrong, yeah. because of I'll show you, because I'll see you at the top. Like when you do things with that energy, even if and when you make it, it never fulfills you because that person may not have the reaction you no, want them you to have. In the first place. That exactly. person would still be like, yeah, I don't listen to your music. Exactly. Or I don't like your music. Exactly. Or when you go up to that guy and go, oh, wait, did you hear me now? I'm number one billboard. And they go, yeah, my girlfriend didn't like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it still doesn't It work. won't feel you, yeah. bro. And it's a very, very good point. And I think that it's, it's such an important point because for me, 20 years of work, okay? What have I learned? What are my lessons? I've been around the world. We were calculating this. I'm, I'm coming up to a million miles just on one airline. Wow. Just on one airline. Wow. So I've definitely done way more. Must have been around the world 50 times, at least. 50? In terms of mileage, yeah. Easily. That means I have had experiences after experience, after experience, after experience, after experience. Some amazing some horrible, some that can make you feel like you're on top of the world and some that can pull you into a dark place and you don't even want to talk to anyone, depressed, crying. So where's that safe place? Mm. Where's the place where you're just okay, man? Mm. I'm all right with this. Mm. I'm in this industry and it can either make me or break me or it can do neither. Or I can just have a great time while I'm here, make people happy, do that I love, take care of my family, earn a good living. And it all comes down to exactly what you just said. Why are you doing this? Mm. If I was, for the rest of my career, only driven to write songs and perform and record to beat the big monster that is down, if that was my only incentive, gotta beat down, gotta beat down, gotta, I gotta top that. I am setting myself up for failure, A, and definitely a ton of anxiety, a ton of like bad feelings and, and, and feelings that just aren't on a vibe at all because I'm doing it all for the wrong reasons. Mm. If I then go, if I switch my mentality and go, man, how lucky were you? How blessed were you to be able to have written that beautiful unicorn of a song that makes so many people happy, that really did break a lot of records and changed your life, gave you a life, man, gave you a life. Put that in your back pocket yeah. and be grateful and say, thank you. That was wicked. That was amazing. Now let's go on and write stuff that you enjoy, that you love, that perhaps your fans might connect to. And, but if I was to make the metric of my happiness, chart positions, comments, likes, followers, I'm setting myself up for failure because I can't control any of those mm, things mm. at 
all. Mm. The only thing I can control is the music that I write, the music that I record, the music I put into this world, the way I interact with people when I'm on stage and make them feel. Those are the things I can control. And so therefore, my happiness, hopefully, will be in a safe place. You know, because I'm not pinning it. I'm not rooting it in something that is so out of my control. There's this quote that I heard that someone said that, you know, at one point I had to stop be being a hit machine and go back to being an artist. And, and I love that idea, but I feel every artist goes through this series of phases where you start as a pure artist. You start <laughs> with pure creativity and pure passion. Yeah, yeah. And then in the scaling of a business, yeah. of having team members or whatever it is, you become a hit machine and you kind of try and, like you said, you try and like mathematically mm -hmm. figure out the equation. Mm -hmm. You may kind of have some hits, you may not have some hits, but you have this. And either way, whether you've had hits or whether you haven't, you become unfulfilled. And that's what happens. So externally, even if this person is having all the number ones, they're still feeling internally fulfilled because it doesn't link back to that pure artistry that they of started. Why with. you started doing it. And then the they try to go back there. Everyone goes back there. Everyone wants to go back there. Some people take 30 years. Some people do it in three years. I've met people at both ends of the spectrum who they made stuff they hated for 30 years. Some people gave up after three years and said, you know what? I'm going back to doing what I love. Right. And it's normal, like it's normal for everyone to have that. So, so true. It's so wonderful to hear you talk about it in that way, because I think that we had Rick Rubin here a few months ago and he was saying the same thing. He was just like, you. He, he was saying the same thing you said. Like he was like, we're not, music isn't made formulaically. Like he was like, you're not trying to think what are people gonna love and so I'm gonna make it. And you know, to, to hear that across artists and musicians, different genres, different backgrounds, it, it speaks to a lot. When was your darkest time or when was a moment where you felt like you'd, mm. you were just, this yeah, is not, yeah. Um, it, you know, it's so true, everything you're saying. Artists, we, are, we exist in one of two states. We're either, you can't mess with me, I'm best. Or, I suck. Everyone hates me, I'm the worst, I should quit. I can relate. <laughs> There's even no in between. The hardest place to be is, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm an all right, I guess I'm an all right artist. Who, are, who wants to be I'm an all right artist? Nobody. Yeah, how's it going? Oh, it's all right, man. Got cups. Nobody wants that. So if you're not killing it, you're here. You're, I suck. I should quit. Nobody likes me. People aren't listening to my music. They're listening to that person's music. So, of course, I've had those moments. Not only have I had them epically in one particular point in my life, my whole journey, man, has been like, it's been like the Rocky story, mm. which is why I'm so obsessed with Rocky. And I love Rocky. Love Rocky, bro. The Sly Dog's out. I haven't started oh, watching man, it. Oh man, I watched it. It's incredible. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm also obsessed with Sylvester Stallone. So am I. <laughs> dude, that dude, he's, he's so smart. And I watched the, I watched it. I'm not going to ruin it for you. But one thing I've always known for, about Sylvester Stallone is that this guy bet on himself. That's the story we know. He bet on himself. Didn't get cast in movies because of the way he looked, the way he spoke. So what did he do? He wrote roles for himself. What an amazing, what a genius thing to do. Go, uh, you're not going to cast me? Fine. And he bet on himself with Rocky. But he didn't win immediately in Rocky. But what, what that story tells me is, here's a, here's a guy, a bum, just a dude that no one pays attention to. But he's, he's still a human being. He, he symbolizes your average Joe. 
your average Joe who the world ain't really looking at. They don't really stop to notice him. But he has a secret dream. He has a little dream inside of him. You know what I mean? And then when he gets that opportunity, he goes for it. Because he's got A, nothing to lose. But B, he's all heart. He's all heart. And he's doing it from a place of love. He doesn't necessarily need that belt. He just loves A, the game. And B, I can't believe I got this opportunity, man. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take it with both my hands. I'm not going to let go. But then the Rocky saga, the storyline continues, the rise, and then the fall. And that's why he's, to me, he's such a great writer, is because I think he was simultaneously writing about what was going on in his life. From nobody to becoming the biggest star in Hollywood, to then maybe getting caught up in the game, losing your roots. Oh, now I'm not even speaking the same way. I don't walk the same way, talk the same way. I don't write the same way because now I'm a star and people are looking at me expecting different things. And my career was like that. When I started off, I just wrote from the heart, man. I wrote because Jay, Rishi, Rich and Juggy D are coming through on a song. Who says that? Why are you calling your own names out on a song? Most songs are just like, hey girl, I saw you from the last time. We... It's an imaginary story about something. Now that you this, call it out. Yeah, <laughs> this guy thinks it's okay on his first ever song to and go. it's part of the song. It's, it's not the intro part. No. It's not like the yo. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not that part. It's, yeah. it's the verse. Yeah. Yeah. It's the verse. Yeah. Why? Young, cockiness, fresh. Fun, not even thinking about it, not studying other songs going, well, what, do they, what kind of lyrics do they write? What are the big hits? Right? I did it. And it connected and it felt right and it worked. First album, I mean, you, you're familiar with All me, of them, me yeah, Against yeah. Myself. I, I remember buying Me Against Myself on CD. There you go. Because I was so excited to look at the art. Yeah. And I loved the idea because on the last track, you had to wait like a few minutes and fast forward it to wait for like bonus material. I love those yeah. kind of like hidden things. Like, yeah, massive. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. I've always been on this mission to find things that really line up with what I care about for a healthier lifestyle. And that's when I discovered Laird Superfood. It felt like discovering a perfect match, something that totally clicked with what I believe in and my goal for better health. One of their products that I absolutely love is their performance mushroom. They've collected some of the most powerful mushrooms in nature and brought them together in this amazing superfood blend. These different types of natural mushrooms, such as chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and maitake, are praised for their talent in fighting stress, supporting your immune system, and giving your brain a boost. Another one that I love is their daily prebiotic greens. Each serving is a complete mix of fruits and vegetables, 
fixing a common problem, which is that 90% of Americans don't get enough vegetables and 80% don't get enough fruit in their diets. They taste like a light citrus burst from real food such as pineapple, lemon oil and orange oil, fruit powders such as apple, no heavy sugars, syrups or stevia. These greens are 40% more affordable than other big brands. You can get a month's supply in a bag for your daily routine at home or grab the single-serve sachets for when you're on the go. Check out LairdSuperfood.com and grab yours today. Use the code ONPURPOSE20 when you check out and score 20% off your first purchase. So me against myself, why was it even called me against myself? It was called me against myself because, bro, in all honesty, truth be told, from the beginning of my career... I have been in this little bubble where I have been fighting myself the whole time. The rapper versus the singer. The R&B guy versus the pop guy. It's always been this duality of who is actually keeping it real and who's the one making the money and, you know, up on the stages. And are they the same person? Because the guy who's keeping it real was the rapper. He was the guy who was like, Yo, you sold out. You're writing these fictional songs about, hey, baby girl, this, baby girl, that. And on the song, Me Against Myself, it's literally the rapper versus the singer. And the other part of this whole thing was, it was me against everyone else in the music industry. Because at the time when I started, I didn't really know it, know it, you know, but now we look back, I was really out there by myself as the only Asian kid in a sea of, mm-hmm. and we're talking like with the mainstream artists now. And 20 years ago, even more so. 20 years ago. And it was only until I sort of really started coming across situations where I realized I am the, the odd one out. I am the fish out of water here. I'm the one that doesn't look like anybody else. It was very different. And, you know, for me, I felt like at that point, the only thing that was going to get me through all of this was by staying true to who I am, right? So there's this, you know, song I wrote called Good Enough. So what I would do is I would, instead of screaming about it on interviews and ranting on about it and complaining about how difficult it is trying to break through and not having the same opportunities as other artists, I used to disguise my songs, my love songs. I used to, dis- I used to write open letters to the music industry and disguise them as love songs. So there's a song on my first album, on Me Against Myself, um, called Good Enough. And in the lyrics, you think he's talking about a, a girl who's not the same race as her. So like he's dating a girl from a different race, but it's actually a letter, open letter to the music industry. And it says, it says, I've got my mother's skin. I've got my father's eyes. That's something that I can't deny. And that's nothing that I want to hide. And even though my roots come from the other side, they told me that they won't mind because I heard that love is blind. Mm. And then it says, how do I change a million minds in this lifetime? What is it I have to do? If I erase my history, what defines me? If I had to change my truth, would I be good enough for you? Mm. And really it was about me talking to the music industry. Yeah, yeah, Saying like, I'm just like you. Why are you giving me a harder time, man? Listen to my music. Tell me if it fits in where it should fit in. So but when all that stuff started to happen, I went in a bit of a, it was hard for me. I went in like a little bit of a, a dark place. Cause I was like, this ain't, this was meant to be fun. This is meant to be my dream. And and now like I'm not getting the same opportunities and, and I didn't know what to do about that. Mm. You know, when my first album, when they tried to take me onto the second album at Virgin, I realized that 
these people don't understand me. They don't understand my vision, my art. I'm gonna go step out. So any money that I had earned off that first album and touring, I invested in myself, like, mm. like mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And that's where I did the My Own Way album, of course, why it's called My Own Way. On that album, I remember leaving Virgin and at the time being told, don't worry, you're going to get another record deal. You know, you've got all the success, you've got these chart hits. Of course, you're going to get signed immediately. I was like, yeah, okay, good. I'll get signed to a label that understands me. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. And now I'm like, well, I had like four years in the game and that's it. Maybe I should have stayed with Virgin. Who, who else gets a major record deal and then walks away from it? And then I had to talk to my parents, tell them the situation. I've just given up a chance at being a doctor. I've had one album out, toured the world a little bit. Didn't really smash it though, did I? Like for the Indians around the world, yes, I smashed it. Of course, they were like the first guy, our guy. But in terms of mainstream they were kind of like, oh yeah, that guy had a couple of songs. So I remember being lost, really lost. And uh, I pretended actually to my parents that I was off to the studio working on a new album. And there were times where I would get in my car and I would just drive around, park up somewhere and literally sit down in my car and go, I'd cry. And on just, your own? On my own. And just cry because I was so lost and so scared here's a guy who had all the big dreams in the world a guy who worked so hard at school two degrees i had to just really just sit there and think about there has to be a reason there has to be a reason that this gift was given to me that this blessing was given to me to be able to try to fly the flag for us what do i do i can't just end here amazingly as the universe would have it about two weeks later there was this event where I was in uh, doing like a meet and greet and this kid comes up to me and uh, he's about 16, 17 at the time, hands me a CD and he goes, hey man, I'm such a big fan. I make music. Please listen to it if you can. My contact details are on there. So yeah, cool, man. Now look, when this happens, as you know, like sometimes we're like, yeah, bro, cool. But sometimes you get a hundred CDs. You don't get to listen to them all. On the way home, put it in the car, listening to it. I'm like, like this beat is insane. Mm. And I was like, holy, I'm calling this guy straight away. I picked him up, picked up the phone. I was like, where do you live? Where's your studio? He's like, Jay Sean? I was like, yeah. He's like, bro, come on. I was like, no, (laughs) I'm coming over now to your studio. And he had a studio in his garden shed. Where is this? In Slough. (laughs) He had a studio in his garden shed in Slough, and this is a fan of mine. And I said, we're going to work. He's like, dude, come on. I was like, I'm serious. And it was just me and him. And on that day, I wrote Ride It with this kid who had just given me a demo CD. That's amazing. He had a dream. He had a lofty dream. He didn't know that I was also in a place in my life where I needed, I needed something. Mm. He needed something and I needed something. We mm. both wanted to win. Mm. And that song was just sent, bro. And it changed everything. That yeah. song, 
Obviously, his as you know, I mean, that was about lives say, on and on TikTok. On. <laughs> that that song has had so many lives, yeah, and so many edits, and so many like it's insane, it's, it's crazy, yeah. But I and without have getting too heavy on the spiritual shit about it, I think it's because there is something special about that song. Mm. I think it's because that song, its very genesis, came from a place of where I was at my lowest and needed so badly to be plucked out of this dark place. Mm. And I needed something from up here, man. I needed something to lift me up. And that song not only just did that for me, it's kind of like a sacred song mm, for me, mm, mm. you know? And it gave this kid a life. Mm. It gave him an entire career. One song. Mm. And then fast forward, 12 years later, it goes and gives another guy a life, some random dude in Lithuania who's just like done a remix and put it on YouTube and then it goes on TikTok. Yeah. This guy is now touring the world. <laughs> Do you know That's what I mean? Amazing. Yeah, and it yeah. also like, you know, it did yeah. pretty good for me during yeah. pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little nice little pocket change for me too. And yeah, it was yeah, like, you know, yeah. it's special. Mm. So there you go. That was my Rocky story, right? Yeah. Damn, boom, down here in the dumps. Back up. Yeah. Now write it's out. Jay Sean version two's out. Shaved, shaved head. head yeah, yeah. Right? The spikes yeah. are gone. The shaved yeah, yeah. head. And all of a sudden, man, I got another shot at it. The reason why I love hearing it is because I remember, like, I remember f trying to figure out what had happened between the two albums too. And I remember, like, as, as your fans were following, it was like, I can't remember. It was like, was it Relentless or Reckless? I can't yeah, remember. Relentless. Relentless, right? It was Relentless. And it was like, yeah, you were seeing that shift and you never know what's going on on the other side. The best part about that story, though, is the randomness and allowing the randomness, because I think so often as you become more successful, you become more closed mm. and you become more, oh, you're just a little kid. What mm. do you have? And that ego, mm -hmm. we've, we've talked about ego a few times in this conversation. It just shows me again and again and again, the thing that gets in all of our ways is our ego. Ego stops you from being creative because you're scared of what your friends will think. That's ego. Ego stops you when you start thinking you're the man getting into America and if you would have acted in that way back at that guy, but you, you were like, no, 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 I'm going to get better. I'm, I need more, I need to get more people to know my work. And then ego again could have stopped you from going, oh, he's a little kid. kid what, thing. Does like, what does he know? I'm Jay Sean. Like he's just, everyone gives me CDs. Right. And it's so interesting just how mm. we have to work against our ego constantly mm. and me against myself. Yeah in and of itself is actually us against our ego on a daily basis. That's the real battle. The real battle is us against our ego. It really is. It's, it's so true, man. I, th I, think, I think all of that ties in also, bro, to just keeping, not just keeping your eyes open, right, but keeping your mind open. And the thing is, I always look at it like this, man. Um, uh, Self-awareness is obviously something that you, of course, talk about a lot. And some people go their whole life, man. <laughs> Not being self-aware. Okay, their whole life. I think very fortunately for myself, I, I got it quite early on once I started this career. I kind of understood, again, just like standing out as the only brown dude, I was very self-aware, understood. Also understanding that when I came across those problems and those obstacles, I realized very quickly that my sense of humor was able to get me out of them rather than letting it destroy me. So rather than letting me go, when someone says something dumb or something stupid or insensitive or culturally inappropriate, instead of getting mad and causing an argument, I would use wit and intelligence mm. to be able to get myself out of it. Mm. Then I realized what kind of person I was in this industry that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And this industry, you know, as you know, it can be, it can be very, very fake. It can be very, 
it's hard to find connections with certain people. But if you know who you are in that space, I think you're going to just, you'll be okay through the highs and through the lows. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love what, I love that you recognize that because it's, it's very true. If I wasn't open to the randomness and I wasn't open to the signs. You like, just miss out. I on, miss. And, and I think about that, right? Like, I think we all have to live, reflect on our own life and go, where do we miss out on that randomness? Mm. Because we've started to think that things have to be formulaic or equations or perfectly fitting or coming from the right source. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes, yes, exactly. you know, right? Like we, we always think, oh yeah, that business person will Ex tell me the exactly, right thing or yeah. that individual. And it's like, well, no, they could be some random person yeah. in your family or your yeah. friends group who says one thing, thing to you that actually shoots you off in an amazing direction. Yeah. There was, I, I, I'm gonna give a shout out. Me and Jeremy had a call like this recently. So Jeremy said to me, he goes to me, he said to me, I just call, I called him randomly. Mm. I was on a drive mm. and I hadn't caught up with him for a mm. while. So I call mm. up Jeremy and we start having this phone call and I had no agenda. There was no plan. It was just catching up with your mate. And he said to me randomly, because Jay, I can't wait till you start a school. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? That's a very Jeremy thing Yeah, to yeah, say. exactly. And I was <laughs> like, like, huge yeah. dream. And I was like, first of all, Jeremy, I don't have kids. Right. So I don't even know what school feels like for kids. Right. Second of all, I feel really unqualified to start a school. I think it's actually very, uh, there needs to be a lot of research. There needs to be a lot of understanding. Like dealing with kids' minds should be dealt with extremely uh, delicately mm -hmm. and thoughtfully. I don't think everyone should start schools. Thirdly, like, Sure, it's a nice idea, but like, it's so, like, I, I wouldn't, I've never even thought of that as even a concept in my life. Right. But I answered all of that and then immediately something came to my mind. I'd love to go and study the best schools on the planet. Mm. And I was like, I would love to actually go and understand, not because I want to start a school, mm. but because I would love to understand the human mind mm. and what we're messing up that's right. creating kids who cause issues in the world versus kids that get it right. Now, there's lots of studies and research, right. but I would actually love to uh -huh. go and sit with parents and teachers. Uh -huh. And I, I came back to my team the next day. And I was like, guys, I have to go and do this. And we have to document it. And we have to go, because not because I think there's content in it, not mm -hmm. because I don't even know what I do with it. I just know that I would be fascinated yeah. if over the next five years, I could understand more deeply right. how to build more compassionate children. Not because I want to start a school, not right. because I think I should. But that thought wasn't even but, in your head until thought, this random conversation. This random conversation that my yeah. mate just said. You know, I could be like, what does Jeremy know? Right, like, right. I've got content, you know, right. I've got stuff going on. Right. Like, you know, I, he's nice. He thinks he wants me to start a school, but like, <laughs> that's it. But really it sparked like genuinely, I can't tell you how much that idea has like you up. captivated right. me. Because I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd love to know mm -hmm. how we build compassionate, empowered, mm. confident children who mm. change the world. Mm. I would love to understand mm. that on a very deep, intimate and personal level. Mm. And so I started researching, like, where are the best schools in the world? Mm -hmm. and like, what are the schools that make the most creative kids? What are the schools that make the most this kids? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, I've got to go to the school in Spain. I've got to go to this school. And I was like, right. amazing. Travel right. now feels alive right. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, oh, I've got to jump on a plane to do some right. work. It's like... it's. And it's for a purpose and it's fun. It's something fun. And I think really what you're onto there, bro, is, is it's very easy to like sort of become complacent as well. Mm -hmm. Like you go, this is what I do. Oh, great studio at this time. I write a song. Great. Blah, blah, blah. When do you find out if we've got, if we're lucky enough to have another 40, 50 years on this earth, right? What's going to light us up that yeah. whole journey? What's, and I think about that constantly. If I've already done this much, I've been lucky enough blessed enough to have 20 years in the music industry. 
What am I going to do for the rest of my life? What's going to light me up? What, am I just going to retire? Am I just going to sit there and oh, okay, I've lovely, I've got, I've got my kids, I've got my family, my wife. That's lovely, it's beautiful, but I'm not like that. I'm, I, I need something to fire me up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is, like Absolutely. I said, why I did this thing, all of these different companies that, that I've created. But the biggest thing now that really lights me up, Jay, is seeing what's happening with this new generation of, mm. of Asian artists. Mm. I was about to ask you about it this. It really thing. is. It's crazy, man. I... <laughs> I um, as you probably know, haven't done an album for a long time. Okay, a lot of people, are, yeah, man, when are you gonna do another album? And you know what my answer always was? Here's what I said. Honestly, is what I used to say. Nobody cares about an album anymore. They just want music mm -hmm. content. If you let's say your favorite artist, let's just say Drake for example. Let's just say you're waiting for a Drake album, and he's like, all right, guys, I'm gonna be back in three years. I'm gonna just work really hard on this. In this day and age that we're in with our attention spans, ain't no one waiting three years, bro. <laughs> no one's waiting, which is why he could churn one out a year, yeah, clearly, yeah, yeah. but that's Drake. Yeah. Um, but people don't wanna wait around. So I used to just said, I said, forget album, that model is old. It's an old notion. I'll just keep giving you music. I'll just keep putting, putting it up. It's on my Spotify, it's on my Apple Music. And I did that consistently for years. And through doing that, I sort of like, you know, just spend a lot of time on these streaming platforms, I started discovering all this music, which to me was reminiscent of what me, Rishi and Juggy were doing 20 years ago. So all of a sudden you had these kids from India singing in Punjabi, but they're singing over like a drill beat. Mm -hmm. And there's like an English vocal on there from some random artist. And I was like, this fusion stuff is happening again, except this time it's happening with these 20 year old kids mm. who are living in India, who have basically grown up with access to the internet. From the moment they're born, they got this device. So yeah, of course they listen to Bollywood and they listen to all this stuff, but they're also listening to Travis yeah, Scott. Yeah. And they're listening to, you know, Rihanna, Eminem, Rihanna yeah. whatever it is. So that was us 20 years ago. And I, when I tell you something happened inside me, it just started bubbling. I was like, I need to get in front of these kids. I need to soak up their energy. It's that youthful energy, mm, that excitement, because mm, mm. they're not jaded. Yeah, 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 They're not, they haven't even stepped into the industry yet. Mm. They're just kids having fun. Mm. That's who I was 20 years ago. Mm. And it lit me up. And I said to Jeremy, and of course it was the best news he ever heard. <laughs> I was like, Jeremy, that's it, decided, man. He was like, you're, you're what? An album. I was like, yep. And we're going to India. That's where we're doing it. He's like, great. I've never, <laughs> never been to India. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun for you, bro. So we did. We went yeah. to India this year. And I recorded three quarters of my album in India with these guys, these immensely talented kids whose faces were just lit up from music. There was no journey. Yeah. They hadn't even been on a journey yet. There were no obstacles. There was no problems. There were no highs and lows. It was just love mm. for music. Mm. And this album for me now, bro, I'm so excited mm. about it because again, it came from a place of joy and excitement. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting how like, even that with the, going back to your Rocky story example, there's Rocky five where he trains Tommy Gunn. Yeah. And it's like that whole feeling of he gets his enthusiasm back mm -hmm. because he's back in there. 
He's with a young guy who reminds him of himself. Exactly. And like, again, there's such a need for us to always go mm. and be to with the, the beginner again and go to the source yeah. again. And we miss out on that in life yeah. because the higher you get, yeah. again, less randomness yeah. means you spend time with the same people. You're not spending time with the person who's at the grassroots, who's, yeah. who's got their finger on the pulse. Yeah. And all of a sudden, again, you're disconnected. Yeah, you're disconnected. And, yeah, completely disconnected. And that's so right, man. I, I felt myself going i felt like through through my journey and through 20 years you know what's really interesting is that it's very easy to age yourself out the game right it is and and you know i think it's funny right i don't know if you've ever if any of the other artists who you've had on your podcast have ever talked about this um ageism is a funny thing in the music I don't think industry we have. yeah i don't think we have in the music industry is weird right like if you're an actor mm -hmm. it's brilliant you just get to play older roles yeah <laughs> and sometimes they become even better because they've yeah. been acting for so many years and now yeah. right well now i feel like most like ma the main actors like in movies are 50 years old right like, that's like the standard age if you actually check their ages yeah like. it's really interesting yeah. so in a way the more time you spend there the more years you put into that craft will actually pay off I mean, let's say if I was a doctor right now, I'd, be, I'd probably be a consultant within a few years. Mm. The more years you put in, you step up the ladder. Mm -hmm. And whereas with music, <laughs> it's like the more years you put in, it's like you're ending, you're, you're going closer towards the finish line. Mm. And they're like, come on, mate, enough now, get off stage. <laughs> no one wants to see a 50 year old dancing around, right? And it's a very weird thing. If again, if I didn't have my, a sense of humor about that, I could be like, who are you to tell me when to stop working? Who are you to tell me I'm too old to be on that stage? Who are you to tell me that I have not done anything great since that song or this yeah. song? But I do understand. I do understand. It's kind of awkward and cringeworthy at some point if you see some people who aren't self-aware enough to understand that, bro, maybe you shouldn't be dancing right now. Go and sit on a stool, <laughs> make the song acoustic, and, and let's just... Get that audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Being able to let go Being of a to... former identity that worked. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. so interesting. And the yeah. thing is, quite often we're frozen in time. Yeah, I'm frozen in time. Mm. On those plaques in my house and in Jeremy's house, there's a baby face Jay Sean, yeah. and I look at him and I see that young boy and I see what he's achieved and I'm proud of him, but I'm also very aware that maybe I don't want to keep doing this ten years down the line. Who knows? I mean, truth be told, I'm sure Snoop and all these guys said that they wouldn't be rapping. I, I feel like your favorite artists redoing songs that are either nostalgic. Mm -hmm. like, I think nostalgia is such a big part of music, right? Of like, course it is. You listen to music to feel that way again, yeah, to reconnect. Exactly. Like, for me with Usher too, I don't think Usher's made a load of new music in recent right. but it's like to me when he did You Remind Me, obviously, mm -hmm. and there was this scene in the You Remind Me video where the song shuts off, but he's on that silhouette mm -hmm. of that. You know which one I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Like, the sun's in the background. Yep. And, and he did that on stage. And for me, I was just like, that's, that's all it. I want to see. Exactly. Because to me, it's like, that is exactly where I was at 16. I remember trying to do the moves and failing. Exactly. And, 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 and I still failed at <laughs> yeah, this Yeah, why do you think I don't dance, yeah, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it, that's the thing. And it's like, if Eminem picks up a mic ever, Forget I will be it. there. I will just sit and watch. I mean, yep. I mean, watching Beckham in his documentary take there free kicks. Exactly. I'd happily watch David Beckham play football that's... any day of the week because there's, there's a feeling there that you'll never get because nostalgia is built that way. Nostalgia will never change. Like if you had a positive experience watching Rocky, mm. I can still watch Rocky because me and my dad used to watch Rocky together. There you go. So it will never, Rocky will never ever be old or boring yeah. for me. 
because you know Dude, i've watched rocky a million times bro like, say i yeah. know every word of all of them even rocky five even though they say it's the bad one i yeah, still love it i love it. rocky five, i still personally. love it <laughs> right but bro you you bring up such a good point it's such a true point yeah which is why i mean if you go to vegas why why all of the biggest acts are nostalgia Nost acts yeah, yeah. but they put you in a place where you just feel they transport you back in time. What can ever transport you back in time as, as, as well as music does? Totally nothing. You know yeah. where you were, what you were wearing, what girl you were dating. You know all of that <laughs> stuff. You know when you listen yeah. to a song. You know where you were. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. But it's really funny. You reminded me of, of uh, something when you said about the, the Rocky thing, right? And you were saying, again, just to go, to go back to that. The other day when I was watching a docu you know, his documentary, and I'm not, it's not going to spoil anything for you. Mm. There's uh, some of the scenes are in his house in LA. You've probably been to his house. I, I haven't. I haven't. I've only met him once, and he was amazing, dude. I was, yeah, I've only met him once, and he's amazing. Uh, but it wasn't course. at his house. I hope. I'm so glad he lived up to what yeah, you wanted him was, to be. He was awesome. Yeah. But here's a guy who's been acting for what fifty years now? Fifty. Fifty years in the game. And what was his biggest breakthrough hit? Rocky. Rocky one. Biggest breakthrough hit. But then fifty years of more films. Now, if Sylvester Stallone walking down Sunset Boulevard and me and my mates or whoever was there and they saw him like, oh my god or just any person sees him what do you think he hears every day of his life yo Adrian <laughs> yo Rocky right that's yeah, what we do yeah. now yeah. he could take that in one of two ways couldn't he yeah. he could either go oh, shut up I've done like a hundred films why do you keep going back to Rocky yeah, yeah. or he could go yo yeah I get it because I love Rocky too yeah and Rocky, for me, changed my life. And I know you guys love Rocky. Totally. And he took Rocky, his baby that changed his whole life. And instead of rejecting it mm -hmm. and going, you remind me of the fact that maybe I've never topped you. Instead of doing that, he's like, come here. I'll put a massive statue <laughs> of myself as Rocky in my swimming pool, yeah. in my house. Yeah. And I will have all the Rocky memorabilia all around my house. And I will embrace you and I will be grateful for you. Yeah. And that, I really love that because I think the problem as artists is that sometimes we want to, when we do a show, right? People are waiting, man. You go see Michael Jackson. It's Michael Jackson. He has some of the biggest, best songs on planet earth. One of the biggest pop stars that ever lived. What are people waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> And you want to see him do his dance and moonwalk. Yeah. <laughs> and he's probably like, I'm Michael Jackson. And that's what you're waiting for, Billy Jean? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Of course they are. Because yeah. that's why they fell in love with him. And that's why they fell in love with Rocky. And they're the people who, for me in America, man, they fell in love with Down. So when I do my shows and stuff like that, whatever it is, even if I've got new songs, I'm not turning my concert into me. I'm not turning it into, hey guys, I know that you loads of songs that you guys want to hear, but I'm actually going to spend the next 45 minutes singing my brand new album. I'm not doing it. They don't care because they don't know it. The show's for them. Yeah. Right? It's such a good point. And I love this idea of, you know, every, we all, and whether it's age, whether it's time, whether it's changes in life, there is a part of your identity where you have to share, you have to let go. Like everyone has to do that. And what's amazing is I actually saw what you just said you don't do happen recently. I won't name the artist. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. Right. So he comes on stage and 
we're waiting for this song, right? Waiting, and he's he's the he's the first act before the main stage, mm-hmm. but it's still an artist that I love. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for the song. Mm-hmm. The beat comes on, mm-hmm. and we're all there. And yes, we like me and Radhi and our friends that we went with, really excited. And then ten seconds into the track, they cut the beat, and he goes, "You think I'm gonna do that here?" He goes, you think I'm going to give you that whole song? He goes, I got 30 years of songs to give you. Oh. And then he goes and plays all these songs that we didn't recognize. And right. he actually did that. And right. it was like, yeah. I was like, you just took away my away. moment, bro. Like yeah. I wanted you to do that song. That's right. Not because I'm limiting you. Not because I think you have no other hits. You, right. you're, you actually are really talented. Right. But that song is so special and iconic yeah. that I need to hear you it. You need to hear it. And and I felt like 10 seconds of it was all he gave us. And then and then he never went back to it. And I thought, oh, maybe he gave it 10 seconds. He'll go back, set finish, didn't get it. You know, and, and that's exactly that feeling of like- It's our own stuff. But yeah. you're saying we're dealing with that. Yeah. We're, we're all dealing with that. We all have a trapped identity somewhere. Yeah. All of us have what you're saying yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And somehow we're actually mad at it. Right. And it's we're annoyed by so it. True, man. Rather than welcoming and embracing mm. it. And I think about that. It's been 10 years since I left the monastery. I'm a very different, mm. externally a very different person today. I'm married, I have businesses, we have, you know, media, we change where we live, like so many things. But at my heart, I'm the same person. I'm a very, I'm different externally. My life has different things. Of course, I've changed. People change. There's parts of me that have changed, but I embrace that experience. It's a massive part of me. But I found that whether you embrace or reject, people always have an issue with it because it doesn't make sense to them. If it doesn't fit into their version of how they perceive you, yeah. it's complicated. And yeah. I think for me, I've, I've learned to accept that I need to give myself permission to be who I am today, to be who I was 10 years ago and who I will be 10 years from now. And I promise you, it won't be the same. Mm. And I need to give myself permission to allow that. And I think we, when you see, like you said, when you see Sylvester Stallone give himself permission, mm. I was with, we had Arnold Schwarzenegger on the podcast recently. I know, I heard He's it. the it's same. Amazing. He has he has the original Terminator outfit in his place. He has Alien. Yeah. He has like he has everything, and he loves it. Yeah. Like he really loves yeah. it, and I love him for it because I'm like. Yeah, bro, you, you do. Should you should be like, proud yeah, of you yourself. Should, of course, like you, should be you crushed it, and yeah. you're not trying. He's not trying to be the Terminator anymore. Right. He's not trying to be, right. but he loves it. He loves doing. We, when, uh, my social media manager asked him a question on the way out, and they said, "Do you have any last words?" And he was like, "I'll be back." Oh, okay. or like, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, he loves it, and I love, and I love it, and right, and, and so I love give him, him what for, they want. Yeah, and I love yeah. him for it. And he's not, he's not disingenuous. He's not inauthentic. He's yeah. not stuck in the past. He's a really. Right. He was great to chat to. And yeah. so, yeah, man, all these people we're talking about. But Jay, I could talk to you for hours. I know, we can man. literally do we, this. I think we have been. Yeah, we have been. Uh, I could genuinely talk to you for hours. And I love this. And I think we've, what I love about this conversation genuinely is I feel like we've drawn like, you You pulled out Rocky. Yeah. And I think because we have that, we, we've drawn this really nice arc and narrative for people. And I hope everyone who's listening and watching this, I really hope that you find your own Rocky journey, like genuinely yeah. in your own way, as you've seen mirrored in your life that you've shared so wonderfully today. Uh, but Jay, we end every episode with a final five or the fast five. Jay, Sean, these are your fast five. The first question is, what is the best advice you've ever heard or received? Um, spend so much time on self-improvement that you have no time to criticize others. Love it. That is great advice. And no one's ever said it on the show. Uh, second question, what is the worst advice you've ever heard or received? It sounds so stupid, but it's like when you get the, the big money, um, nobody told me how to spend it or invest it. It's a great point. Right. And nobody told me 
any about that go buy some houses instead of like you know wasting on stuff like that so i wish i actually got some some advice on on that how to manage money yeah that's good that's good i hope that I hope all the yeah i hope everyone who's coming into new money is hearing that uh question number three what has been the gift of parenting that you didn't expect because i know you're a great dad and that it's no longer the world is no longer about me my job is no longer about me my life is no longer about me. It's all about, it's all for my kids. All of this now is for my kids. And it's the most beautiful thing is there's nothing more that grounding than, you know, than when you can be a pop star and famous around the world, but you come home and you're just daddy. <laughs> it really is the cutest. Yeah. Uh, question number four, what is the thing that surprised you most about the music industry in 20 years? Uh, how much, how much of a change technology would have on it? It's mm. literally flipped it on its head it is a totally different animal there's a hundred and twenty thousand new songs that come out every day now every day every day a hundred and twenty thousand new songs come out so you imagine trying to put get yours it's just a needle in a haystack and so many people can be independent you could do whatever you want don't need that big record deal anymore although i do have a record company that i've started for south asian like talent that that's my way of giving back. I'm so, so excited about that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and that's brilliant. what I want to yeah, use yeah. all of my 20 years for, bro. All of my experience is to now pass it on to the next generation. So I have experienced it. I know all about it now. So now it's my turn to be able to help other people through it. I love that you're doing that as well, because Thank I you, think man. there's there's such a need for that support. I, I was probably the two... You know, I was the guy watching Jump Off, but too scared to go on. Right, like, well, that's like, it, bro. You know, I know you love rapping. Yeah, yeah, I, love, I might yeah, have yeah. to sign and, you, and mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the age thing, bro. I'm like, but, but no, that idea of like, there's just, I think there's an, I'm so happy that you're doing that. Honestly, yeah. when I heard about that, that was amazing. Yeah, thank and I'm you so sad much. I couldn't come to the event. I was on a plane. I, I, was, I was out of town. Uh, fifth and final question. If you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? The obvious thing for me, to think that, that the world is missing right now is kindness. Mm. So what if there was a law that every person that you meet, you had to do a kind act? Mm. What if there was a law that you had to do one random act of kindness a day? And I think that could go on to, to, to make the world a better place. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. I think so. I love it. Even if you didn't want to do it, if, if it was a law and you knew you had to do a, a random act of kindness for somebody, that could have a knock-on effect. Yeah, because it would make you do it even end of the day. Like you exactly. have to figure it out. Yeah. I love it. Jay, Sean, everyone. I'm bro. so grateful, Jay. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, brother. Excited man. Thank for, you for having me. Yeah, no, this was so much fun. And, You're uh, right. I knew it would be. I knew it would yeah. be yapping on for hours. I don't yeah. even know how long. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to ask these guys. But no, that was awesome, man. And Thank I'm you, brother. So excited for people to continue to listen to your new album on Spotify. Yeah. And ever, where do you where do you like as an actually that's Everywhere. a great question as a musician yeah. where do you like people to discover your work now? Well, the streaming obviously the streaming platforms is where it's all at, right? Yeah. So everybody knows that whatever they have a favorite streaming Spotify, platform, Apple, Apple whatever, whatever yeah. you like, it will obviously be up, up on there. But really, also I love being on TikTok, man. Mm -hmm. I know you do. Yeah, you know, yeah, TikTok yeah. for me is actually a really cathartic tool because it allows me to. My, my silly goofy sense of humor I allow it allows me to just be a human being rather than just yeah. an artist yeah. so yeah if you guys want to just follow yeah. me on TikTok it's just at Jay Sean and all of, all of the usual stuff is very easy it's just at Jay Sean everywhere so love it. Jay, yeah man, you, man. brother thank you, you that was so much fun man my man if you love this episode you'll really enjoy my episode with Selena Gomez on befriending your inner critic and how to speak to yourself with more compassion 
My fears are only going to continue to show me what I'm capable of. The more that I face my fears, the more that I feel I'm gaining strength, I'm gaining wisdom, and I just want to keep doing that. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth, no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.